Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. We're in our second week of looking at the, uh, the armor of God, the full armor of God. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I was asked um, to be a, a chaplain for the city police department. Um, so there's a few of us, about three of us, who have been sworn in. We had to go through a pretty big uh, training process and evaluation and interview po- process and all kinds of stuff. And, it, and it's been exciting. But one of the first things that they asked me to do was to um, be a part of the Civilians Police Academy. Scranton has a Civilian Police Academy. Um, anybody who can go and sign up for this thing. And basically what it is, the majority of it, you come every week and you sit and you kind of get to hear different parts of the law enforcement share their stories, share what they do, explain their jobs, the right resources. If you have this need, you would call this person. If you have that need, you call this department. And one of the last things that they, they had us walk through was a, um, a, like, a warehouse they converted into a simulation where we had uh, bulletproof vests and helmets and goggles and all that stuff. And they gave us a gun, but the gun was a, a rubber bullet gun. And they wanted all of us in this course to go through a live shooter scenario um, where we would walk into this, these series of rooms and we were supposed to shoot the bad guys who had guns and not shoot anybody innocent. Um, and so they would kind of wa- watch us as we went through this process. And uh, we had everybody in this class from like 73-year-old women to like teenagers coming out of high school, like in high school still. So there was a wide variety. And I was one of the last people. And, and I, I, I'm waiting for this. I'm a little bit nervous because the lady in front of me came out and she's like, yeah, I definitely shot somebody with an ice cream cone. Uh, <laughs> not what you want to do. And so she was pretty frustrated with herself. Um, I, what they taught me, though, before we went in, you... Where do you want to shoot if you're an officer or if you're in some kind of military experience? It's called center mass, right? You shoot for the chest area. And this isn't necessarily to kill, it's to stop. Like you shoot in that zone, you stop the enemy. You stop the person with the gun or the threat or whatever. Um, It's not necessarily shoot to kill, it's shoot to stop. And so that's what they said. Go in, shoot to stop. Shoot center mass, that's where you aim. And so this is the training we know it's safe, and yet every person in this class is nervous and terrified, right? We go into this thing, and there's like somebody pops out, and it's a cardboard cutout of like a little kid with a teddy bear. I did not shoot, right? I, I was quick with that. But then I get into this room, and there's another officer in his full gear who's the bad guy, and he's got the gun, and he's pulling it to like aim at me. And I shot him um, with the rubber bullet, and I shot him like right in the neck. Thankfully... He was wearing a neck guard. So I kind of missed center mass. I think that would have stopped him, though. I passed the course. I made it through. The reason I bring all that up isn't to tell you about how awesome I am with a gun. That's not the case at all. The reason I bring it up is because center mass is an important part of our bodies. It needs to be protected. And that's always been the case. 
And the truth is, spiritually, our center mass is important. And Paul recognizes that. So when he tells the church in Ephesus about the armor of God, so it's not our armor we put on, it's his armor, it's what he has accomplished we put on, Paul kind of begins by covering our center mass. He explains what is the vital part of our our spiritual makeup, our identity in Christ that the enemy wants to go after. The enemy shoots. He can't destroy us. We're already in Christ, right? But what he will do, he will shoot to stop us advancing the kingdom of God. He will try to cripple you from making any impact on the people around you with the resources of heaven. Does that make sense? He is trying to shoot to stop you. So he will aim for center mass. He will get you at center mass. That's his his objective is to stop, to kill, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his goal. You are already in Christ. You're saved. You're in him. He can't stop that. What he will do is try to get you to believe false things and to stop you from moving forward. Shoot to stop. Make sense? We all, we all good? Ephesians chapter 6. This is where we are. And we're going to read, just kind of recap the first few verses here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And we'll really focus this morning on verse 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We'll look at these two parts here that he begins to draw a picture for us of the armor of God uh, and how we get into it. The goal, like I said last week, is to stand. There are moments in our lives where we're not moving forward. Our goal is simply to stand in him. The enemy attacks, we stand firm. I love, Paul, Paul is kind of this... Um, this beautiful literary master of the run-on sentence. Um, it just, he just goes on and on. And the funny thing about Greek language, the Greek writing, there wasn't periods and commas. And, and actually, there wasn't even like lowercase, uppercase. It was basically a lot of letters in a row, and you kind of have to figure out what it says, right? So Paul just kept going on and on with this thought. And so what we see here is we, we see our translation breaks it down as having done all to stand firm, then it goes into a separate sentence. But it's really, it's Paul reiterating the fact, having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. It's, hey, do everything you can to stand firm, Keep standing. Stand there for having done this. Moving on to the rest. How do we stand when the enemy attacks? Here's what we put on. Having put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. You guys still with me? Some of you guys are like, I'm having flashbacks. The Sunday school, I need a felt board and some little action figure. My, I told my, my dad called me this morning. He's a pastor a few hours from here. And uh, he's like, oh, Jesse, I wish you would have told me you're doing that. I could have given you my, my, uh, my night and my guy in armor he's got like this large seven foot guy in his office it's a big armor guy i'm like dad i'm not dragging that up here for an illustration and he's like i could have gave you my helmet for my race car i'm like that would have been even weirder on me because odds are it wouldn't have fit on my head um i have a hard time with helmets it doesn't work for me 
Um, anyway, moving on. The armor of God. There's this... Paul is giving this picture for us of the armor of God, and he begins to describe what it looks like. There's a clear understanding of the Roman armor. There's a clear understanding of what Paul's talking about. He didn't need PowerPoint for them to understand. But he begins to, begins to describe the pieces of the armor and what that looks like when we are fighting spiritually. Remember, we were talking the other week. Last week, our spiritual warfare is mostly in here, right? It's the enemy getting us to believe a different story about who God is and who you are in him. So we fight that battle, that spiritual battle, that story of origin going back, like the, the, the rulers going back to the foundation, questioning God and, and who you are in him. Paul says, stand, stand firm, stand therefore. It's over and over again. But what we see with the, the, the it also is a reference going back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59. I want to read this real quickly. We're going to go through a lot of text this morning, if that's all right with you guys. Um, one thing you will not hear people talk about city lights is they don't preach from the Bible. Um, I don't want that to ever be the case. Isaiah 59. This is a, a prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah about God putting on God's armor, fighting God's battles, right? This is God putting on his armor. And in verse 17, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. It begins to, to, to express God's movement of judgment and of justice. God fighting battles. So Paul goes back as a good theologian. Paul is a good former um, Jewish zealot now the leader of the Christian movement, and this is probably one of his first books, the Church of Ephesus here, writing to Ephesus, the, the book of Ephesians, right? And he's referring back to what they know, this imagery. They know it from Rome, and they know it from the Old Testament. God has his armor and his chest, his, his breastplate is covered in righteousness. God wears his own righteousness. And Paul tells us to put that same thing on. We put on the belt of truth, though. We want to look at that first. Paul, Paul puts, expresses that first. What is truth? What is the belt of truth? Put it on. We live in a culture where truth is relative. Um, truth is what you want truth to be, which by its own definition doesn't make any sense. It negates itself. Truth can only be truth if it's true. Um, truth is not relative. Um, if I say this is black and my wife says, says it's purple, one of us is right, one of us is wrong. Truth is truth, right? I'm right. This is the first time you'll be able to hear me say that in front of her. Um, that was a joke. I'm right sometimes. Truth is not relative. So what is truth? When we're covering our, we're we the belt of truth, what is truth? What is that? We live in a society where there's so many people are pursuing truth and meaning. They, they want to know what's real, what's fake, what they should go after, what's, what's of value, what's, what's true. And so truth becomes relative for all these different people with all their different pursuits. And we don't want to offend anybody, so everybody's right, right? Which, that's not possible. It doesn't make sense. John chapter 14. Go there with me. Yeah, still good. I, I like a little feedback just so it doesn't feel like I'm preaching in the mirror. Um, so this is 
right after Jesus, this is Jesus telling his, his disciples, he tells Peter, you're going to betray me. Jesus says, I'm leaving, guys. And they're like, no, that's not possible. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Verse 1 of chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way of where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. What I want you to see is Jesus says, he, he says to his disciples in these last moments, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am truth. In, in the book of John, we see Jesus gives six different I am statements, and this is one of them. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And I, I think it's funny, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the truth in order to protect their hearts. They're frustrated and they're confused and they're hurt because Jesus just said, hey, I'm leaving. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. And he begins, don't you know that I'm preparing a place for you? Don't you know that there's hope for you? Don't you know that this is what it looks like? And I'm going somewhere. Where I'm going, you'll be there too. And they're like, how are we going to go, Jesus? We don't know the way. <laughs> and Jesus is like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I am the way. I am the truth, right? And then, and then they say, well, Philip says, well, show us the Father. And Jesus is like, I've been with you for so long. I've been with you for three years, guys. And you still don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What I want you to see this morning is sometimes we can see the truth right in front of us. It can be present in our lives. And it still isn't a revelation of our hearts. Jesus, Paul is telling us that we wear truth. And truth is Jesus Christ revealing the mysteries of God. Revealing God himself to us. It's the, it's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth of his work on our behalf. It's saying, I've prepared a place for you. You are mine. I am yours. I am his. He and me. It's how this works. I sound like Dr. Seuss for a second there. It's, we are all in this. This is truth. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That is what we wear around our waist. That is the belt of truth, Right? It's our identity in Christ. Do you not, have you been with me long enough that you don't see the Father, you don't see his love for you in Christ? I think, I know it's so, it's a reality that there's so many people who have been in church their entire lives, have heard the story of the gospel, have gone to every Easter service, every Christmas service, service, and still they're trying to make God happy by all of their works. And Jesus is like, don't you know what I did? Don't you know the truth? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father's disposition toward you. 
We think that Jesus loves us, but God is angry at us. It's for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And so the truth is, I am accepted and loved in Christ Jesus before the Father. That's what I wear. Now, I'm talking about the belt, and you said, Jesse, he starts off talking about the chest. You talk about, the, Paul, Paul gets to right away to what's of the heart, and here you're talking about a belt. I am somebody, um, I never wear a belt, ever. The only time I wear a belt is if I tuck in my shirt, which I hate to do. Um, uh, I, I, I don't really know what belts are for. I know that theoretically they're hold your pants up. That's my, my guess. Um, my body shape, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the button is tight enough. Um, <laughs> I have thick legs, and it all stays together. I've never had a problem with pants falling down. Thankfully, that's, that's a good thing. So belts, belts mean nothing to me, right? Um, and, and I think that most of us in our, in our culture would think of belts, the function of a belt is to hold the pants up, right? Am I wrong in that? Because I don't wear them. I could be wrong in this. Uh, huh? They look nice too. So belts look nice. I mean, I, I do have to wear them with the police, and I do have to wear them when I marry somebody or do a burial. But that's the only time you see me wearing belts, really. Uh, but that is not the purpose of a belt in Roman armor. The purpose of a belt was not to hold your pants up or your skirt back then, whatever the Roman centurions wore. It was not to hold something up. It was to hold something in place. And the thing that it held in place was the breastplate. So that when you're moving, the belt was fastened to your breastplate, and your breastplate would stay in position and protect yourself. So Paul says to the church, put on the belt of truth, which is Christ, and the breastplate, which protects your chest and all your center mass, all your vital parts spiritually, with righteousness. Right? The two are interlinked. Because I cannot have righteousness, or I can't put on righteousness and walk in the identity of God's righteousness if I don't have that connected to the truth of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for me. The, the two would fall apart. You can't have righteousness without truth. The two are to linked. It stays in place together. So Paul's like, this is how you protect this area. This is how you defend this. The, the breastplate of righteousness protects the body's most vital organs. See, righteousness, what, what, what is righteousness, Jesse? What, what, what is that? Um, well, righteousness is what is right. <laughs> um, it's what is just. It's to do justice. It's things the way that God said they should be. Without sin, without fault, without blemish, it's righteous. So throughout the Old Testament, we see all these things portraying God's righteousness. And even in Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it says this, But now the righteousness of God has been, mani been manifest apart from the law. So that's the Old Testament. All the law was to portray how holy God was, right? Or is. It says it's been made manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So the righteousness of God is faith in Christ. Faith in the truth of Jesus Christ. I put on God's righteousness, not Jesse's righteousness. I put on God's righteousness. Everything is right, is just, is pure, the way God has designed it to be, without fault, without blemish. I put that thing on based on the truth of the reality of Jesus Christ. 
You guys okay with this? What happens, though, is a lot of us will grab onto the concept of the truth of Jesus. We will be believers in Christ. We will be good churchgoers or good church attenders, and we will do all these things. And what we will start to do, though, is we'll forget the breastplate of righteousness in Christ Jesus, and we'll begin to live out of righteousness in ourselves. And when you do that, you never will protect your heart. You will never protect yourself. Let me explain. So um, about a year ago, I felt like the Lord really gave me like a, an awareness to how I think when it comes to things of grace and of the Spirit. So um, say that I see sin in my heart, right? I, I fall. I, I recognize a sin. And what I would do is I would see my own unrighteousness and not his righteousness on me and what he's already accomplished. I would see my own unrighteousness in the things that I've done, and I would give myself this awkward period of time where I had to somehow get back into right standing with the Lord. So like if God's called me to be a pastor, or if God's called me to preach the gospel, or if God wants his sheep to hear his voice, to hear from the Holy Spirit, I would have some sin in my life, I'd recognize it, I'd repent of it, and then I'd be like, well, God probably won't speak to me for a week or two. And, and what we do, I think, so the example that I had in my mind is like my friend Chris, like if I hurt my friend Chris in some way, like, this has literally happened in a relationship before in friendships where I hurt my friend Chris, I apologize, he forgives me, and then I go through this awkward period, this awkward, like, purgatory in our friendship where I'm trying to somehow prove my friendship back to him, and then he's like, Jesse, would you just stop? Like, this is making things uncomfortable. Like, now our friendship's kind of weird because you're trying to go out of your way to prove that you're still a good friend to me. That's what we do with the Spirit. And so we let all these things, like, the whole time in those relationships, I'm like, will Chris really love me again? Will we be able to be really friends? Will we get past this situation? Will we really be able to be a friend again? What will this look like? And we do the same stinking thing in the spirit. We let our righteousness be the thing that covers us. And the enemy reminds us of our sins. He's the accuser of the brethren. He gets into our heart. And now our heart is broken and we feel alienated from God. And we're walking around in dysfunction. He stopped us. He stopped us from moving forward with the kingdom. So then I'm in this weird place like, well, maybe God will listen to me next week. Or maybe if I go to the next prayer night. Or maybe if I, whatever. Then God will respond in friendship and in relationship again. And then I'll be able to be empowered. Then people should be able to trust me. But until then, i got to pay penance. Christ has accomplished it all on the cross. You don't need to pay penance. You don't wear your righteousness. You wear his. You wear his righteousness. We, we feel so unrighteousness. And then when we feel that way, every little thing begins to wound us. Like if you already realize that you're a sinner and you feel like a worm... Then any little cloud that comes your way makes you feel like a bigger worm, doesn't it? I, I don't know if I'm speaking too abstract for you, but like the moment I begin to feel separated from God, everything then makes that separation feel bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's only his love, it's only truth of his righteousness on my behalf that brings that distance back. God has never pushed distance on you. 
He will never distance himself from you. Period. God is always pursuing you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the reminder of how much he is pursuing you. And the only time we separate ourselves or we feel distant is when we wear our own unrighteousness, not his righteousness on our behalf. Does this make sense this morning? Chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? It's us now in Christ. Before God demonstrated his righteousness through the law and through our inability to keep righteousness. Then he sends his son to fully reveal his goodness and graciousness and his justice and his mercy to reveal his righteousness. And he has made us to be his righteousness. So I say we don't put on us, but what I really mean is we don't put in the old us. We don't put in that sinful dead man. What we do is we put on the new man. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. We wear our identity and that protects my heart. So when you bring your garbage to me and attack me, what I see is his identity. I don't hear your words. I don't hear your accusations. I'm not saying this against you. Maybe okay. them down the street, when they attack me, right, that doesn't hit my heart and it doesn't devalue my identity. I don't feel like a worm because they hate me. I don't feel like a worm because I could lose my job. I don't feel like a worm because I got into a car accident and I got to figure out how to pay the insurance bill or because my mom is mad at me or because this person's angry at me or because I didn't do enough righteous things this month. My identity is in him. So nothing can attack my heart and stop me from moving. That's, that's why these things are connected. That's why they're important. We think, though, we think that chest armor is simply passive and simply defensive. Paul, the same guy who writes the breastplate of righteousness, also says this in the First Thessalonians. He calls it the breastplate of faith and love. Faith and love. So this righteousness that we carry, it also is filled with the faith, knowing who we are, the righteousness of God. It's faith. It's filled with faith, and it's also filled with love. I mean, God is love, right? And if we are in him, we are love. And so I want you to see this. So I say it's simply standing firm, and, it's, and it's the, the picture is the, che- the breastplate is to be defensive, but the truth is, if it's faith and love, it's actually active. It's an active defense. So let me explain. So say, so say Jonathan here needs something, and I want to show him the love of the Father, right? And I go and I serve him. I, I take a day off work, and, and, and I don't know what you would need, Jonathan, but I go and I, let's be really silly. Let's say I fix his truck. Let's all laugh at that. That would never happen. <laughs> but let's say I fix something important to him. And I serve him in the love of the Father, right? And say Jonathan, like, doesn't even respond. Like, I spent my whole day and Jonathan doesn't do anything because Jonathan's a jerk. No, I'm kidding. You're not. But say he doesn't respond. If I'm living my life with the breastplate of righteousness, faith, and love, and he doesn't respond, 
or maybe he criticizes the work that I did, because odds are I probably would have broke it, but let's pretend I fixed it. If I'm operating in righteousness, if I'm operating in his love, it's sacrificial love, and I don't need his approval. And so nothing has broken me. But if I'm not, if I'm operating in fleshly love, which is often selfish, and I do all this work for Jonathan, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this good deed, and I stand back and I wait for Jonathan to send me a thank you card and a gift card and, and to take me out to dinner or to see a movie or whatever we do, I don't know. If I'm waiting for that response, and then what happens? Well, he didn't even care. He didn't even appreciate it. Well, maybe something's wrong with him, or maybe something's wrong with what you did. Well, maybe he didn't like the way I did it. Maybe I should have vacuumed his car, too. Maybe, maybe it was the wrong car. Maybe it was his neighbor's car. Like, and I, I begin, what happens is we get into this place where like, they didn't appreciate me. They didn't see my love. They're wrong or I'm wrong. And we let these bitterness pierce our hearts or personal frustration pierce our hearts. And next thing you know, we have been stopped by the enemy. And we're not moving forward with everything that manifests Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? What's, what's the breastplate that you, lo- you love out of? What, what is the armor that you wear? Is it God's righteousness, Jesus on your behalf saying, it doesn't matter if the world persecutes me. I am loved and accepted by the only thing that matters, by the only one who matters. I am in him and he is in me. That I abide in him and I, my joy is full. It's not lacking anything. I don't need your thank yous. I don't need your approvals. I don't need the words of men. I need the approval of the Father and I have it already. This is, so I say this, but this is yours as well. So if you are operating with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, you are unoffendable. Nobody should be able to pierce your heart and stop you from moving forward in love. Nobody. If I want to protect my heart, I must live in faith and love toward others. I believe the best for Jonathan. I live in faith for him. First uh, Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it's, it hopes all things, believes all things. So if I live in love and faith for him, I, be, I believe that maybe he just had a rough day and I don't need his approval. I, I did it out of love. So if I want to protect my heart, I must live in faith and love toward others. If I want to live in love, I must understand the source of my righteousness and acceptance. I can only truly love you when I realize that he fully loved me. That was good. I just made that up. You should write it down and then send it to me later. How can I love, how can I not love others when he loved me? How can we not be moved by love when he was moved by love for us? Why would I need the approval of others when I already have the approval of the Father? How can I understand the source of my righteousness if I don't hold on to truth? The life and the work of Christ is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. It's the revealing of the Father, and therefore it's the revealing of me in Him. So when I hold on to truth, when I see Christ, I have to see myself in the Father. I have to see what He paid for. We so often hear the phrase, I've said this before, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And in some aspects, that's absolutely true. But in some aspects, it's completely false. It's no longer your identity. You're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
That is who you are. And what you believe about yourself, what you make the truth, is how everything else is going to hold together. So if you believe I'm just a sinner, you will continue to focus on your sin and keep sinning. But if you believe I am in him, I am righteous, I'm gonna, if I look at righteousness, I become righteousness, right? You guys tracking with that? It's, it's what you behold, that's the thing you go after, that's the thing you pursue, that's the thing you become. And if I look at sin and my brokenness, I become broken. If I look at him and his righteousness, I become righteous. I, I live out righteousness. I model righteousness. I feel like Jesus is saying this morning, like, why are your hearts troubled? Just like he said to them, why are your hearts troubled? Don't you know? Didn't I tell you? I'm the truth. This is, what, this is the reality for you. I go to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you this. This is truth. I'm the way, I'm the life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and I love you. That's how this thing works. Don't you know? Why are you troubled? Why, why are you insecure? Why are you beating yourself up? Why do you feel down on yourself? Why do you feel like a failure? Why do you feel broken? Why do you feel like everything around you is going to crumble? Don't you remember? Have I been with you this long and you, and you haven't seen that I am in him and he is in me. Do you not see this yet? I feel like Jesus is saying, why are your hearts troubled this morning? Don't you know the truth of who you are? Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and you know how he views you. It all hangs on truth. This whole thing is about the belt. It all hangs there on the truth of Christ and what he says about you. How long have you been with him that you still don't see the Father's love for you? When, when I don't know who I am, when I don't know the truth, when I don't believe the truth about myself, the first attack, I'm ready to pack up and run. When you feel weak, you believe you're weak, and our, our response is flight or fright, right? Is that what it's called? I think it's fight or flight? Okay, that's it. I got it all wrong. I say fright or flight. But anyway, I am not, I am not perfect, people, okay? I like my version better. <laughs> fright or flight. That's what I do. I don't fight too often. I get scared. Well, let's, let's, honestly, let's think about this for a second, though. I mean, how many of you honestly fight? So there's a few of you, you know. There's, I'm sure there's a few, like, little... Ah, put him up, put him up, yeah, yeah, whatever that guy is. That's not me, it never has been. My, my response, and I think a lot of people's response, when, when somebody attacks or when things are feeling like they're terrible, they either go and hide somewhere or they try to escape the situation completely. Like they either crumble up in a ball or they run away. That, that's been me a lot of my life, right? And like we sang this morning, like fear doesn't get to be a part of our lives. Like his, his love cast out fear. And so when we walk in truth, we don't run from the enemy. Like, I love that Paul says, stand therefore, stand firm, stand therefore. Doing everything to stand, stand some more. Like, stand, 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 stand. And when we wear these things, we don't run and hide. We don't curl up in a ball. We don't, like, let every little voice of every little persecution wear on our identity. I mean, how many, how much of our issues come from what people have said about us, right? And what if we just said, yeah, that doesn't matter. I'm free in Christ. I'm his. And so we're no longer hiding. We're no longer in fear and in isolation. We're moving. And if we're not moving, we're at least standing firm. 
God desires you to stand firm because he, he has great love for you. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to worship for a minute. But um, let me pray this first. I specifically feel like I'm supposed to pray for the root of bitterness and insecurity, those two things. Bitterness and insecurities. So if you feel like you've, you've lacked value or you really devalue yourself on a regular basis, or if you have hard bitterness in your heart towards somebody else, like they owed you this. They should have responded that way to what I did, that kind of thing. You guys know what I'm talking about. I really feel like God wants to set that free this morning. So would, would you, I'm just going to pray over you. And if it's you, if you, if you want set free from those things, I just... I just ask you as a step of faith to put your hands out and receiving those things. Father, I just declare over this church that you would protect our hearts with the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth, and you would remove bitterness that the enemy has shot at us and tried to cripple us and even to cause division in our families and in our church families, Father. In our workplaces, Father, you would remove the, the root of bitterness right now And Father, I I speak against a mindset of insecurity that says that we are failures, that we are sinners so far removed from you that we are worth nothing. I thank you that the cross says we are worth an immeasurable value to you, that you paid with your son on our behalf. Father, I pray that that would be the new reality that we live in, that we would see ourselves as worth the cross. Father, I speak life right now over this body of believers. I bless them in Jesus' name. We break the curse of the enemy. We break the lies. And we hang on to the belt of truth this morning. Father, be worshipped. Let's worship together.